Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 114, we discuss how the Major League Soccer TV ratings did on their opening weekend of the new season. Fubo and Sling TV face serious competition from a low-cost streaming service. Whether TNT is making any progress with Champions League TV coverage, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Now, Kartik, in addition to talking about the beautiful game that we watch on TV, online, and apps, we also discuss the different viewing options that are out there. And just in the last week, I've heard from listeners who have tweeted me and emailed me that they pay anywhere between $230 and $270 a month for the TV packages which I almost fainted when I, when I, when I heard that, but uh, I, I believe it to be true. And that doesn't include Netflix or any other streaming service. So one of the added benefits of this podcast is that we will definitely provide tips on how to save you money, whether it's through streaming services or, or other options out there. Um, but Kartik, if you don't mind me asking, um, how much do you pay for cable, like internet each month? Oh, it was in that range until December when I... Uh sat on the phone with DirecTV for maybe an hour, just kind of trying to have my bill. I didn't quite have it, but it's down to about 170 or 175 a month, give or take a little bit with taxes. But uh, yeah, I was in that two, I was at the high end of that range, about 260 before. Yeah, I'll have to figure out what it is. Uh, probably not on this podcast, but on a different podcast. But uh, I do have uh, fiber connection for internet, so I need that in my home office for you know uploading, downloading, uh, and for working working seven days a week, kind of uh, on World Soccer Talk. So that that's a necessity. So I'm paying a little bit more um, on internet than most people are probably. But in terms of um, cord cutting so i've cut all the cords uh but i do have streaming packages to sling fubo uh netflix etc uh, etc et so i'd have to add all those up and, and come back with a total but uh it's definitely less than 230 dollars or 270 dollars but um yeah it's 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 uh it's crazy how much some of these companies are charging now kartik uh before we dive into what we've been watching and, and probably the game of the week for you and the game of the week for me, etc. Let's talk for a minute about Sky Sports News. So um, last week there was a lot of uh, 
a lot of hype, really, a lot, a lot of excitement about Sky Sports News coming back to NBCSN, well, coming to NBCSN weekdays from 11 a.m. to noon Eastern time for one hour. Uh, I haven't had a chance to catch any of the episodes. I, I have watched Sky Sports News. Uh, I wouldn't say re- religiously, but I've definitely watched it a lot during the last uh, seven to ten years um, when it hasn't been on U.S. television. So I have my own opinions about, about um, the broadcast and, and, and coverage, etc. But what was your take on what you've seen so far from, from Sky Sports News? I think a lot of it is uh, maybe we had a reverence for it because we had it before the Twitter era uh, as our source of what was happening uh, in the UK, uh, in football in the UK and football in Europe, and and, uh, felt like it was just high quality production that we weren't getting from Fox Soccer Channel or or, or, um, from, you know, other outlets. I mean, I thought Satanta Sports had some great shows in in their run uh, when that became more readily available to uh, consumers and not just to pubs. Uh, but um, I've been disappointed. I'm going to be quite frank. I mean, I think that it's very sensational. It's very tabloidish. They don't really dig deep. They do hot takes. They do quick, uh, quick uh, sound bites. They uh, focus heavily on kind of the gossip and scandal, and they uh, quite honestly just cover things that. Or on Sky. So, I mean, I, the one thing I tweeted this week was about She Believes. They gave that very little coverage. They had a short interview from Tampa with Phil Neville on Tuesday, running leading into, obviously, uh, England, Japan. And then a very, very short uh, interview with Steph Houghton on Wednesday where they mis- misspelled her name, uh, her last name on, on the screen, which is just unforgivable. She's been the captain of England for five years now. Uh, under uh, three different head coaches, or at least under Sampson and, and, and Neville. I think she might have been at the end of Hope Powell also. Um, it just it really like uh, short, uh, short, short coverage, whereas their entire focus was on the Premier League and Real Madrid on both days, right? And, and, and uh, uh, even Champions League. Uh, the Real Madrid thing is, 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 is scandal, and it's very uh, entertaining for, for the viewers. But uh, uh, other Champions League developments were, were, were put on the back burner because they don't have the rights. Um, and this is something that ESPN has often been criticized for in the United States with SportsCenter. I don't know that the, the, the reality of that because I don't watch SportsCenter. Uh, I do know that when ESPN used to be criticized for it, uh, 15 years ago, when I did watch General American Sports, I thought they still editorial editorially tried to cover things that they didn't have uh, in a little more of uh, an aggressive fashion. But th- that's not the case with Sky. Um, the the other thing with Sky is that um, because they've gotten you know they, they they have certain golf coverage, they have certain coverage of of, of, of other uh, events, uh, non soccer events, those work their way in uh, rugby, etc based on what they're broadcasting, not necessarily what's uh, big in those sports. So uh, disappointed. I don't think the coverage is necessarily uh, at the level that we are used to on NBCSN for, for this sport and for the Premier League. So um, uh, it's useful, I guess, if, if you want to catch up on news because yeah. NBC doesn't have week, weekday programming. Uh, but it's uh, otherwise, uh, you know, you get the, the Premier League bumper programs. If you have NBC Sports Gold, you get Premier League uh, the Premier League news, the Premier League uh, uh, programs, which quite honestly are, are more uh, in-depth and more, more useful and, and have a little more uh, uh, analytical content. 
yeah, definitely much much better with the Premier League news. Uh, obviously, you have to pay for the NBC Sports Gold to get that. But the the, the two things, that my, my two points on this are one is that Sky Sports, Sky Sports News is great background television. So if you're working or if you're, you mean, I don't know, going around the house cleaning or, or doing whatever, and Sky Sports News is on in the background, uh, and then you'll see the ticker if some breaking news comes up. Uh, it's a good good opportunity, a good way to kind of uh, be able to catch that and, and find out what's going on. Rather than having, say, a Twitter stream or, or I don't know, a Reddit stream or something up up on your computer, it's it's good for television in that way. Uh, the second thing is that uh, with Sky Sports News, I mean, really, it's uh, it's a shame too because I mean, for example, like you just said, Kartik, uh, she believes uh, cup. You I mean a big deal? It's a big deal in in, in uh, women's soccer. England wins it. You I mean that's a massive deal for England to go through and win this tournament. Uh, puts them in a good place in terms of uh, preparation for the the World Cup, the Women's World Cup this summer. So you would think there would be a massive story that Sky Sports News would be all over it, making sure there's no no spelling mistakes of other captains' names, stuff like that. But the reality is, is that uh, in the UK for for the she she believes cup, the BBC had the rights to it, and any time that Sky Sports News uh, doesn't have the rights to one of the competitions. They'll give it kind of a scant, kind of uh, just a uh, just a little bit of information about it. They, they won't go into a lot of detail. They won't get excited about it. They won't uh, have a lot of coverage about it because they don't have the rights to it. So it is very much a very capitalist type of uh, news <laughs> program, rather than something that's trying to be unbiased and trying to be fair to all all the, the most important news stories that are out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just was kind of outraged because this is, uh, I don't know how many of our listeners, I think a good chunk of our listeners, but I'm not sure the percentage, uh, follow women's football. It's a pretty big deal that England won a tournament on U.S. soil. Yeah. Uh, in just the trajectory of global uh, women's football, because the U.S., um, there, are, there are competitions the U.S. have not won. There are World Cups they have not won. There are Olympics that they have not won, uh, gold medals. In. But they are about half the major international tournaments held off of U.S. soil, the U.S. wins. And all of the major tournaments, with the exception of the 2003 World Cup, which Germany won, on U.S. soil, they tend to win. Um, so... Uh, it, and, it, and, it, and, and it's usually not England if they get caught. It's right. the Francis or the Australia. So this is a really big deal. And and they won it pretty comfortably at the end of it. You mean, uh, yeah. But, but, but the, the other thing that I'm, I'm not sure if, if listeners uh, or you, Kartik, have noticed this past week is that Sky is, oh, I'm sorry, NBCSN has now on, on their ticker, they now have it branded Sky Sports News and NBCSN. So NBCSN is on the far left and then Sky Sports News logo is on the far right. So they're, they're they're definitely trying a lot to try to bring in Sky Sports News, and obviously this comes from uh, Comcast, which owns NBC Universal, which owns NBC Sports Network, um, acquiring Sky Sports for I think it was like thirty billion, and obviously looking for ways synergies, looking for ways that they can work together, that the they can go ahead and, and you mean spend a ton of money. So what can, how can they work together to actually improve their coverage? Um, and that's and that's the thing that for us, for you and I, Kartik, I think we we're probably saying that there's not a lot that Sky Sports can add other than, say, a Jamie Carragher or a Gary Neville having access to those pundits. Uh, outside of that, there, there isn't much there. So it's um, I'm sure Comcast, the executives are probably thinking, OK, this is great. We're going to be able to you know, improve our NBC's uh, Premier League coverage and get ratings up. I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see the, the, how the equation adds up on this one. 
Yeah, and I, I, I have to shot, uh, send a warning across the bow here, a shot across the bow. If they replace uh, the Robbies or Kyle on our television screens or uh, for any period of time with some of the Sky Sports pundits, uh, if it's not Neville and Carragher, uh, or specifically Neville, uh, if it's not one of those two guys, uh, I, I think there's going to be hell to pay for them. Because I, I, I just don't think the level of analysis that you get from the average Sky pundit is going to match what Kyle Martino, Robbie Earl, and Robbie Musto give you. It, it's just not, yeah. based on what I've seen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Kartik, and that's the thing, though, too. I, I don't think that that would happen. What I do think would happen is more likely when NBC Sports uh, goes with their Premier League coverage to the UK again, is is then we'll see the opportunity for more of the Sky Sports uh, analysts to, to be on the set, to be providing opinions, and maybe to be on pitch side, some things like that. I, I don't see the reverse happening where we'll see a bunch of those guys coming over to, to the US, to, to Stanford, Connecticut, to be in the studio. I could be wrong, though. We'll have to wait and see. Kartik, let's look at this past week and what a week it's been in, in the world of soccer. It's just been um, Champions League, probably one of the best weeks, entertaining weeks in a long, long time in the Champions League. Uh, just some sensational, just out, out of this world games. Uh, absolutely incredible. Um, what for you, though, Kartik, out of all the games you watched, what was your highlights? What was the, the one game that you thought was uh, outstanding? Yeah, I, that's a great question, Chris. I mean, uh, three of the four Champions League matches this week were outstanding. I mean, I think the best one uh, was probably Porto-Roma mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the three. But then I think Real Madrid-Ajax was very good. I think Manchester United-PSG was on knife's edge. I don't know if it was as good a match as the other two, but uh, I would put all three in the pot. If I have to pick, I'm going to go Porto, Porto-Roma. Yeah, for me, it was uh, Ajax, uh, Real Madrid against Ajax, just an unbelievable comeback uh, in this match. And it was a game that right before the match started, it's pre-game with uh, TNT on Tuesday, which TNT's broadcast on Tuesday, I thought was very ordinary. Nothing really special except for one thing, which we'll get to in a little bit, but it was really kind of uh, blasé. N- nothing bad, but, but, but nothing, no- no- nothing good. And um, but that that Real Madrid Ajax game before the match, I think every single TNT analyst on the set went ahead and actually said that yeah, this is going to be Real Madrid's uh, game, no problem, they're going to win this one. Um, but yeah, the Ajax uh, Real Madrid game was was just um, just fantastic to see. And this is an Ajax squad that too that uh, in the last couple of years I've been really. Uh, a big fan of, especially during that Europe, uh, Europa League uh, run a couple of years ago when they met uh, Man United in the final. And I thought that Ajax had a good chance of winning that final the way that those kids were playing. But uh, just great to see. Um, and Real Madrid, I mean, wh- what a horrible week it's been in terms of uh, Copa del Rey, El Clasico last week. Just a really poor performance there. Uh, El Clasico, which I thought was one of the most underwhelming uh, El Clasico's I've seen in a long time. It's just not the same without uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, it was really kind of the second uneventful Clasico in one week, uh, which is which is rare. That, that, I, I can't even remember the last time that that has happened. Uh, and then leading into the the game on on Tuesday, which was uh, just a fantastic performance by Ajax. Yeah, Real Madrid has now lost four matches on the bounce at home they, because there was a loss to Girona before those. Uh, Two classical losses and then the Ajax loss. Uh, just just quick note on this. I thought Ajax were the better team in the first leg. And because they didn't take their chances in that first leg, a lot of us assumed, well, they're naive. Because we've seen this 
for a couple of years from Ajax. That Europa League run, they were fantastic. I thought they were the better team in the final against Manchester United. They just are young and, and don't always take their chances. Uh, this match, at least early, they did. Now, they, they could have scored seven or eight goals. This has been pointed out uh, time and again on, on various other programs. I agree with that. But the first two really good chances they got in the game, they scored on, which uh, they, they, they finished, which changed the trajectory of the tie. Um, VAR controversy in both legs, obviously VAR controversy in other matches. That, that's part of the storyline this week, Chris, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, the VAR was... Um, I, I saw a great tweet this morning from uh, Steve Brenner, who writes for uh, The Guardian and, and uh, a lot of the, the newspapers in England, The Mirror, etc. And he said that uh, in the game, the Man United, the IX game, that if there wasn't VAR, there's no way that would have been a penalty, which is true because I think even the TV viewer in real time uh, missed it. I, I didn't see it. The referee certainly didn't see it, but VAR did see it. And on the replay and on studying that over and over again, uh, it did show that it was a handball, but uh, a really crazy moment in soccer. And actually, that's one thing about VAR. It's actually added a lot more drama to soccer, whether you like it or not. And it adds more excitement because you're like, okay, let's study the video back and forth. Did they make the right decision? In that, in that Real Madrid Ajax game, did the ball cross the line I mean, when it went out, out of touch? Uh, which had a huge impact on, on whether or not that call uh, would have been made. Um, it, it, yeah, it's definitely added a lot of excitement. And uh, if you're on the receiving end of VAR, you mean, on, on kind of, you mean it's uh, against your team, uh, it's definitely no fun, I'm sure, especially if you're a fan of uh, you mean, whether it's Real Madrid or uh, PSG. But, uh, but I thought overall VAR was handled very well. And I thought the broadcasters did a great job, too, the commentators, in terms of uh, just uh, explaining what was happening. Martin Tyler, especially on Wednesday, uh, with Alan Smith, explaining the, the new guidelines of what UEFA was going to be doing in terms of the offside, uh, offside decisions and the, and the assistant referee, when, when he's going to put his flag up and when he isn't, those types of things. I thought they were very helpful rather than going in cold and, and fans being left out trying to figure out what was going on if they're not staying on, on top of the rules. Uh, what what was your opinion, Kartik, in terms of TNT's performance this week, uh, the coverage, uh, pregame, etc.? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, it's a mixed bag. See, it's the lack of consistency that bothers me, right? I thought Tuesday was pretty good, actually. I, you, know, you mentioned it was ordinary, but I kind of like the, uh, the, the uh, checkerboard, although uh, your, your point about it being in one color is, is well taken. Um, the, 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 the tactical check, uh, not checkerboard, but it looked the like tactics board. checkers. Yeah, and for listeners who who missed this, this was this was revolutionary. When I saw this, I was like, "This is fantastic!" Because what they did was that they have that brown oak table that they always have in Atlanta, whether you mean Kate and whether whoever is Carlos Bocanegra sitting around the table. And what they did instead instead of uh, going up on a, on a screen, although they did use screens too, is they used that table with a pitch there and with little discs to actually show the shape of the team and in terms of. If it was Man United uh, going up the wings with the wing backs, uh, how would that leave them vulnerable in the back, etc., etc.? And on Tuesday, the disc colours for the Real Madrid and Ajax colours were both white with with a logo. But for television, it was really difficult to, to discern which was uh, Real Madrid and which was Ajax. But they fixed that for Wednesday for the PSG Man United game and had very distinctive uh, changing colours so you could actually see on the board. But I thought that was great. I, I was like, okay, this is a great use of a table uh, on a, and also kind of the top-down camera angle. I thought it was fantastic. And then we had Stu Holden doing some of the... Uh, 
the analysis on, on screen. Uh, that was good too. A little bit clunky, but but that was pretty good too. I thought I thought that that was a huge step for TNT, and, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you see some of the other broadcasters, whether it's uh, NBC or Fox, uh, kind of stealing that idea, or ESPN stealing that idea in the future and, and, and doing something similar. Overall, the car take. I thought that so so my my take on the TNT performance uh, analysis, pre game coverage, all of that. Uh, like I said, to me, Tuesday was kind of ordinary, no, nothing special. Uh, Wednesday, there was a great segment by Fernando Perez, uh, who's really my favorite now. I think at uh, TNT about Porto, and and that was really uh, informative. Really good, yeah. Yeah, kind of going, kind of talking about a little bit more about the the culture, the the city, the history of that club, because it is a club for most of us, most of us Anglo's or Americans that don't know a lot about Porto. Uh, we know their past in terms of Jose Mourinho. We know that they're a well supported club, but we don't know. The, the inside of this team as much as, as say, you know, a team from Germany, Spain, Italy, France, or, or uh, from England. So I thought that was really well done. But um, overall, I, actually, you had a great tweet, Kartik, uh, after the, the Wednesday game, which got a, a lot of uh, feedback. Um, can you tell us more about that? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, my, 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 uh, my, my thinking was that TNT actually uh, – Unlike Fox, so the, the Porto uh, Roma uh, second leg went into extra time. Uh, didn't go to penalty kicks, but I was uh, I was kind of thrilled that TNT uh, not only stayed on the air, but then did a full. I, I think it ended up being like a thirty-five or forty-minute post-game show, preempted other programs. And you also have to remember something, Chris. TNT's other programming tends to get higher ratings than FS1's other programming. So uh, FS1 uh, could have, uh, it would have been easier, in my opinion, for FS1 to preempt programming uh, to show extended uh, um, soccer highlights or, or, or analysis or post-match shows. Uh, you know, as it turns out, oftentimes in the knockout stages, as I think you, you remember, Chris, uh, if things ran over time, Fox would get out quickly. Um, yep. And, and there would be these clunky – you'd be waiting for analysis and you'd be stuck with some uh, uh, American football show well, uh, or baseball show or whatever. Now uh, I expected TNT to do the same thing. I fully expected it. That's why I was tweeting when I was tweeting toward the end of the game. Oh, they're going to do this. They're going to pull the plug. Uh, we're not going to get any analysis. Instead, I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, Maurice Sadu gave the uh, the quote of the post-match show, which was basically if Jekko had stole that headbutt incident with Pepe a little better, um, Pepe would have been sent off because of the reputation of the player. That's that's it seems like very simple analysis, but it's the kind of analysis we don't always get Champions League coverage in the U.S. So um, knowing the, you know the, the the characters involved, which was a good good job by Maurice Sadu. So I was uh, again, I think there's inconsistency in TNT's coverage, and that frustrates me. But um, that in particular, staying uh, over preempting whatever programming was next, which again is probably better rated programming than what's on FS1 at the same time uh, really impressed me. That, that shows a level of uh, co- institutional commitment to this competition that I don't think was quite there at Fox for much of the time. Yeah, kudos to TNT for that. Definitely, that's, that's, that's a huge plus. And uh, yeah, I thought Tim Howard, uh, I, I know Carter, he's one of your favorites, I think, on the set, but I really enjoyed his uh, analysis again on Wednesday. Um, definitely made the difference between Tuesday and Wednesday. Overall, uh, I see progress with TNT, and I hope that they continue. Uh, still a lot, a lot of work to be done, though. So, Kartik, uh, opening weekend of Major League Soccer, uh, what was your take on, on the coverage that you saw? Uh, any good bits or bad bits? 
Yeah, I thought John Champion and Taylor Twelman were pretty good. Um, I was glad to see Derek Ray call a game, uh, which was a, a, a surprise to me. I mean, he had been tweeting about MLS in the lead-in, so I, I guess I, uh, I I didn't know he was going to actually call a match, which was the first time since uh, uh, he was with ESPN in the early 2000s, I want to say, or late 90s, uh, maybe early 2000s, uh, when he uh, call, has actually called an MLS game. So that was nice. I thought MLS Live as a product via ESPN Plus uh, was pretty good. Um, I loved, uh, uh, like you, the, the Colorado-Portland game was kind of cool in, in, in the snow. I, I, that's why I kind of want to see the MLS season start earlier for, for multiple reasons. Um, it, was, it was decent, but nothing really blew me away in the coverage. I mean, I, I guess the thing that was disappointing, Chris, and I know you've written an article about the television ratings. We'll probably get to that, is that there was less promotion this year. It, it was sporadic. I saw promotions at times, but there seemed to be less promotion and buildup for MLS this year than there had been in the past. I think uh, part of it was um, – CONCACAF Champions League, but I think a big part of it was She Believes. Um, Fox had She Believes. Uh, the U.S. Women's National Team in, in a major competition should at least, in theory, generate higher ratings than Major League Soccer. And, and, and whether it does or not, for these particular, uh, this particular competition, it's a lead into the Women's World Cup uh, this summer. So I think Fox uh, spent a lot of time promoting that and a lot of uh, uh, institutional commitment to that, to that competition, and they did a pretty good job of covering it. Uh, but uh, I think that took a lot of wind out of MLS's sales. And uh, over at ESPN, it's just, again, kind of awkward timing, uh, March, when you've got uh, a confluence of, of college basketball, NBA, NHL, and then also um, you know, the, the, the stretch of golf, uh, Players' Championship, starting this season has been moved back to this weekend or you know, this coming weekend. So I think yep. there's more emphasis on golf this time of year than there has been the last few years. Yeah, I thought that uh, Heather O'Reilly did a great job uh, on the analysis uh, pre-match for the England-USA uh, game in the She Believes Cup. But but then Saturday, I, I did watch a little bit of uh, MLS uh, pre-game coverage on FS1. And, and, and to be honest with you, I watched about five or ten minutes of it because I, I tuned it on, I switched it on, and I guess I joined it maybe a, a few minutes after it began. But... There, there was Stu Holden and uh, John Strong reporting from an empty stadium in Seattle. So it's empty seats behind them, no atmosphere. Uh, and then they switched to a sideline reporter who I think was also was in Seattle, giving some updates on what was happening around the league and some of the games coming up that night, etc. I just thought, thought it was a really soulless, uh, just empty, just... just um, just not, nothing in terms of atmosphere. I would, would have much preferred if, if Fox had gone ahead and had John Strong and Stuart Holden uh, in Los Angeles uh, for the LA Galaxy Chicago game, maybe in the stadium or outside the stadium, something with a little bit more atmosphere, something that's a little bit more appealing to, to the viewer tuning in, uh, and then have, say, Derek Ray go ahead and commentate the game up in Seattle. Uh, they had it the other way around, and I thought that was a missed opportunity there, especially on the opening day of the season, especially when you have FS1 with a double header. So you want to keep, uh, catch that viewer early on and keep them hooked all the way through. And for me personally, like I said, after five or ten minutes, I just switched it off and, and, and went to something else and watched something something different. Um, I did watch, like you said, Kartik, I did watch the parts of the uh, Colorado-Portland game in the snow, uh, the snow apocalypse there. 
that was uh, entertaining to watch. Just to, it was just it was just absolutely crazy when you think about it because it was 18 degrees in uh, Denver there outside Denver, uh, 84 degrees I think on Saturday in Miami as a high. Just a huge contrast, and it just uh, illustrates the the challenges that Major League Soccer has in this country in terms of, of trying to figure out a calendar that's going to work for everyone. Um, but yeah, that's about all the... Actually, no, I did watch some of the, the DC United, uh, Atlanta United uh, coverage on Sunday on ESPN. And I thought John Champion... I, I actually probably watched that more because of John Champion than anything. Um, and the game was pretty good. It wasn't bad at all. It was... Uh, after, after it was 2-0 to DC United, I kind of switched it off. But uh, overall, I was... Uh, Pretty impressed with ESPN's uh, coverage there. Now, Kartik, uh, anything else before we move on to uh, the next segment? Uh, I watched a little bit of CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, this uh, I shouldn't say a little bit. I watched a lot of CONCACAF Champions League uh, the last two days, and, and the streams were better uh, on Yahoo Sports. But... Um, when the push came to shove, I just turned the television on and watched it in Spanish. So um, if you have that option, I think I, I think a lot of people maybe don't have that option, which is why there's been such a clamoring for the English language um, of, of, of streaming. But um, I'm finding it's just it's just as well watching the matches in Spanish. What about uh, commentary in English? Like who's who's doing the commentary? Do you know? I haven't paid close enough attention again because, I mean, I've turned the stream on and, and basically had it on mute so I could watch the match while I work. Mm-hmm. These have been in prime time in the U.S. And then um, in, in most instances, I'm, I, I finally want to watch the match on television and keep it on in the background, and I flip it on uh, in, in Spanish. All right, so before we move on to the TV streaming news, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek get, will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Now, I have the the, the actual SeatGeek app on my phone. And I found it's by far the easiest way to, uh, to look for tickets. I've used it this past week because my favorite band of all time, uh, which is The Cult, uh, are coming back this, uh, this summer, actually, for a, a tour uh, in celebration of 30 years since uh, their biggest uh, album in America, which is Sonic Temple. And they're going to be touring the United States. So I've been looking and using the Seeky Gap to look for tickets uh, for, that, uh, for some concerts com- coming up to, to me, near me. Best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's one word. That's promo code WSTPOD for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Kartik, uh, moving on to TV streaming news. And uh, this potentially could be a massive one. And it's something that uh, perhaps, uh, I mean, we've been talking about for a long, long time. And maybe this is going to happen. Yeah, I, I think when you 
look at this, this there's many components to why this might happen. The news is MLS is going to package uh, their local and uh, or they could package their local and TV national uh, deals starting in 2022. They've asked uh, local teams, they've asked their, their their clubs not to extend any of their local broadcast deals beyond 2022. So they could bundle everything. And I think this has a lot to do with uh, two factors. One, they're trying to maximize the value to put, bring more money into Soccer United marketing. Uh, but two, also, we don't know what's going to happen with the regional sports Sports networks, which are currently up for bid. Uh, we don't know if the idea of having uh, a YouTube TV or um, a, uh, a, a, an ESPN Plus or the streaming partner whose name escapes me that DC United signed with. Um, if, yeah, well, yeah, right. It, uh, if those sorts of uh, things now, in, uh, which are now becoming uh, more prevalent in 2019, are very mainstream in 2022. So I think there are a couple factors at play here. The streaming part of it is really fascinating to me because I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, DC United doing that deal, and then obviously last year Chicago and LAFC did streaming deals, which essentially took those teams off of uh, uh, local broadcast television. And the reviews on the LAFC YouTube partnership have been pretty um, pretty solid. Now, there's a difference between going with YouTube TV like LAFC did and going with um, a, a, a company that tends to, to, to uh, stream um, college lacrosse and college uh, volleyball like DC United did. But um, uh, whatever the case, I think this is really a fascinating development. Yeah, this could be a, a great uh, progress here by Major League Soccer because out of all the soccer leagues that are available uh, for viewing in the United States, Major League Soccer by far is the most complicated. Uh, there's usually, what, four to five of the games are nationally televised. Um, and then you have to look, kind of figure out, okay, am I able to watch my, my team? Okay, is it a local team? Okay, which local broadcaster is showing that game? And, and in some cities, it's, uh, like you said, YouTube TV and LAFC, it's... Uh, it's what ESPN Plus in Chicago, and then depending on where you live in the country, if you're close to a city and you're a fan, but you're outside of that market, uh, you might not be able to watch that game. And it's it, just very, very complicated. This could become something that could be a great opportunity for Major League Soccer to go back to ESPN and Fox Sports and Univision and any other broadcasters that might be interested in, in acquiring rights uh, the next round for Major League Soccer and say, hey, we'll give you a go-ahead and give you a, a deal, a national deal to go ahead and broadcast these games where maybe more of these games actually might air nationally on national television rather than being kind of uh, locked up in many ways on, on you know, local television or sometimes on ESPN+. Uh, at the same time, then then Fox or a uh, yeah, an NBC or whoever would acquire the rights has the opportunity then to do go ahead and do some local deals if they wanted to in in different markets. Uh, this could be this could be huge, and and it's one of those things that's a, it's a very positive forward step by Major League Soccer. At the same time, uh, the reality is is that ESPN, Fox, and Univision, when when times come to talk, when 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 it comes time to talk about negotiating rights for the next round, they're probably going to cry wolf a little bit. They're going to probably say, "Okay, well, actually, the numbers, the viewing numbers we were expecting were, were less than than what what was achieved." Um, even with the U.S. men's national team, those ratings went uh, down. Uh, so we, we actually are getting less value for our money in, in, the, in the millions that they've spent on acquiring 
claiming the rights to this. So Major League Soccer, what can you do us do for us in this next round? And if they do bring in the local opportunities for the local packages, that adds a lot more value. So, so I see this as a positive step, and hopefully, whatever comes out of it in terms of twenty twenty two and and that next round of rights, it should be a big plus for Major League Soccer, and hopefully for the soccer fans at the end of the day, for us viewers to make it easier to go ahead and actually watch. Uh, have access to any games that we want to rather than having to jump through all these hoops. Now, Kartik, I mentioned at the top of this uh, podcast that uh, there's a new streaming provider out there. And actually, they're not not that new, but uh, Fanatis have been around in the United States for uh, just over a year. But there's a big deal that happened uh, this past week, and they've added Be In Sports and Goal TV and Espanol uh, to their broadcast uh, streaming uh, service. So what they have today is they have TYC Sports, which has a lot of the Argentine football. Uh, they also have uh, all of the uh, Argentine Superliga matches, every single one of those. And um, they have some other channels too, the kind of uh, Central American or uh, South American channels. But adding being Sports and being Sports in Espanol and adding, adding Goal TV in, in Espanol, all those together, and it's just nine ninety nine a month, which is a great deal for soccer fans, especially for cord cutters or people looking for ways to have access to being Sports and get La Liga and Liga and all those other uh, leagues that be in sports shows as well as gold tv and espanol which does show quite a bit of uh, programming too from the portuguese league uh as well as i think the ecuadorian league and, and other leagues too so all of this together uh for just less than 10 bucks a month that's a pretty good deal and something to keep an eye out for uh, soccer fans in the united states if you are figuring out a way to save some money and still get be in sports and have a, a ton of soccer coverage now, Kartik, a topic that we talked about last Thursday quite a bit on the podcast, and later, I think a few hours after after we recorded the podcast, the news broke. Um, what's the development and what, what happened? Yeah, so Conmaval uh, has rejected the offer for the from the U.S. to uh, uh, host this invitational tournament. Uh, Comnebol wants to shift uh, Copa America to Euro years. Whether that starts in 2020 or 2024, we don't really know at this point. But uh, they, uh, I don't think, want to get in bed with the, with, uh, the U.S. on this invitational tournament. Uh, Copa America Centenario being held in the U.S., for them was a one-off, and quite honestly, there's the there's the discussion among in South American football circles, at least the ones I hear here in South Florida, that um, like I had analyzed about the U.S. that South American uh, the the number of competitions that South American teams uh, potentially play in in a cycle affects World Cup performance, so uh, and World Cup qualifying performance, which is something they're conscious of. They may not move Copa America uh, to the Euro year until 2024, but they still don't seem to want to play in 2020 the u.s soccer federation chris as we've talked about time and again on this program thinks money is the, the be all and end all they're very capitalist they're very uh bottom line driven and they once again thought just throwing money at south american countries uh who would need the money you know this is a typical kind of american stereotype uh that they'll just take it and and do what we say so um good for con the ball for sticking to their gums maybe there'll be a compromise and be some sort of tournament still but uh, uh it's not going to be necessarily in the form that the u.s soccer federation uh, had envisioned yeah well you wonder now though too Kartik like who's going to uh, replace them because you mean you got the Euro 2020 you've got the Copa America uh, 2020 and who's what's left I mean so maybe maybe some Asian countries maybe have Japan maybe Australia um, which are great footballing countries well Japan especially in terms of uh, on the pitch 
but it's not going to generate a lot of uh, interest in in the number of uh, attendees at the games. Uh, right. And that was part of the thing that uh, Cordero was, I'm sure, uh, banking on was that that bring in Brazil, Argentina, Colombia. Uh, Ecuador, etc., and these countries alone would would, would generate huge uh, volumes of ticket tickets sold. Also, I don't think Japan uh, or Qatar, who are both being the Copa in 2019, Copa America, are going to want to participate in a tournament like that. And that World Cup qualifying in Asia is is a pretty lengthy process. Uh, I don't think the African countries. I, I think the idea is probably dead unless they can work a compromise with with South America. And the compromise in my opinion, would be to let South American teams who qualify for the Olympics bring their under-23 team. That would be the way I would play it if I were U.S. soccer. Um, but I, I don't think they think that way, so they probably won't. Yeah, so it's probably a plan B for uh, USSF and probably maybe thinking about maybe trying to change it to a different year, maybe, I don't know, 2021 perhaps? Or uh, just, uh, yeah, it's n- not a good look for USSF, unfortunately. One last piece of news, and that is uh, of interest to fans of La Liga, is that uh, the Spanish Football Federation has said that beginning next season, there will be no more Monday games. So uh, La Liga typically has one game on Friday, one game on a Monday, and then everything else between um, Saturday and Sunday. An executive at the Spanish Football Federation says, uh, starting for next season, there will be uh, football on Saturdays and Sundays. We will see about Fridays if we can reach an an agreement that suits everyone. Business is important, but more important are the fans. So uh, that will mean kind of more of a congested uh, calendar. Well, it's only one match more on a Saturday or Sunday, but it could be two more if they decide to go ahead and move the the Friday game to uh, the Saturday-Sunday. To be honest with you, with La Liga... Usually, most of the games on the Mondays are, are not their high-profile games. Uh, it's usually kind of a Levante or Leganes or a, a Getafe or uh, etc. So, in some ways, it's not going to hurt uh, La Liga as much uh, as it would say the Premier League, where usually Mondays are kind of reserved for maybe a, not not the highest profile, but definitely a high-profile game. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV ratings. And this is a big one because of uh, Major League Soccer and the opening weekend of the 2019 season. A lot of interest in this in terms of has Major League Soccer, especially on an opening weekend. An opening weekend is traditionally uh, big numbers, a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of people tuning in. No matter what league it is, whether it's the Premier League or uh, the Bundesliga, Serie A, you name it, a lot of people tuning in, getting excited because, you mean, the beginning of the season – uh, you mean every team has a chance to go ahead and, and win this and, and have a positive new season. So let's look at some of the numbers here um, across the board. So Everton against Liverpool, the Merseyside derby, which I thought was a really tense and boring game. I was not excited by this one by any, by any means. But 992,000 people tuned into this uh, NBC and Telemundo uh, broadcast. Yeah, the U.S. women's team against England uh, on on Big Fox on, on Saturday, that one had 758,000, um, and then so on and so forth with the uh, the Premier League matches and, and, and other leagues. The numbers out of Major League Soccer um, were disappointing, to be honest with you. We had on FS1 on Saturday that doubleheader, the uh, LA Galaxy against Chicago, 174,000 viewers uh, on a primetime Saturday night. Uh, which was followed by Seattle against Cincinnati, 199,000 viewers on FS1. Again, uh, this one was uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time to midnight Eastern time, but would have been prime time on on the the West Coast, um, seven to to, t- to ten there, or, or to to nine there. 
Um, and then we had the ESPN coverage on Sunday, um, the Atlanta against uh, DC United game, which uh, Kartik, this this is definitely not the same Atlanta United team uh, already. Oh my gosh, I, this is going to be a long season for I think a lot of the Atlanta United fans, and um, definitely a big change already. But three hundred ninety-four thousand viewers for this match. Uh, that was John Champion's uh, debut as the official MLS lead commentator. Then you had LAFC against Sporting KC, uh, 361,000 viewers on ESPN. So all in all, you look at those numbers and go, okay, well, ESPN definitely had some great numbers compared to what Fox had. Uh, But ESPN numbers uh, were down about 13% from last season's opening weekend game, uh, which was the Seattle LAFC game. Uh, FS1's numbers were actually up 6%, uh, but... Part of that is due to having the games on a Saturday night in prime time versus traditionally with uh, FS1, usually it's on a, on a Sunday night uh, prime time there. So the Saturday night's definitely a b- better uh, opportunity, and, and we saw an increase of 6%. Out of all of this, actually, the worrying number was the number from Univision. That number was down considerably. And from 2019 uh, to 2017, well, 2017 to 2019, just those last couple of years, so so basically three seasons, uh, for Univision's opening weekend game in Major League Soccer, that number is down 30%. So that's a big, big drop there in the Spanish language viewers. Again, it's opening weekend. There's a long way to go. Uh, There's a lot of Women's World Cup games coming up uh, this summer where... Uh, Fox, I'm sure, will have double headers where they can go ahead and bump up some of those numbers. And uh, it's going to be a long summer. But uh, opening weekends, uh, really kind of disappointing numbers. And, and, and there's an article on, on worldsoccertalk.com on the homepage that goes into more detail about this and more context as, as far as comparing it to previous seasons. But overall, um, disappointed. Kartik, what's your, t- what's your take on this? Uh, I mean, should we be concerned or, or is this par for the course? I think it's generally par for the course. I'm not not trying to disagree with you too vehemently on this. I think just in general, there's not that grow, that kind of growing interest in MLS, except when they expand into new markets. They're not necessarily growing their fan base in the markets they're in. So the tel- to expect the television ratings to actually grow, and they're not engaging national fans outside of their markets. So. Uh, the television ratings will grow maybe slightly this year because they've added Cincinnati, which, by the way, is like the 35th largest television market in the country. It was uh, a well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Cincinnati because they did everything right at the lower division level and got bumped up to MLS. But it's not going to help their television profile. It's one of the smaller markets in the in the league. Now, next season with Miami and Nashville coming online. Uh, that's that's a, a whole other issue, and then Austin, uh, which I think will be a good one in 2021. Uh, but they're not they're not growing their fan base. They just haven't been. Um, and I think as every as years wear on in core MLS markets outside of the Seattle's and the Portlands and, and the Atlantas, uh, um, you see some drop off. So yeah, maybe maybe they don't have any kind of uptick this season. So my expectations aren't very high. One number that stood out for me, Chris, uh, uh, was uh, the the um, the the uh, Everton Liverpool number being so high for the Merseyside Derby. Uh, I don't know if it's title race, if it's it's Liverpool fans. I, I for some, whatever reason, I know a lot of Everton fans, so a lot of that too. I think in addition, uh, the Classico number bothers me. I know it's because Bean's not in many homes anymore, but man, La Liga's got to do something about that. I, I yeah. just, it's just. It's, it's in your face this week because we see the number for an El Clasico uh, in March and realize, oh, my goodness, they have a problem. And I and 
La Liga, they they were in touch with us. They listened to this podcast. They know they have a problem, but mm-hmm. God, they got to solve this. They can't wait till 2020 is my my view. They got to solve it in this uh, yeah. summer. So, yeah, so 236,000 people tuned in to watch the English language broadcast of El Clasico uh, between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, we don't have the Spanish number available. Usually it's uh, double or a little bit almost close to triple the number of uh, the English language side. So you're talking roughly about maybe 500 to 600,000 people uh, average uh, total watch this game on BN Sports which is far below what they're custom what they used to say a couple of years ago where they're approaching a million or pretty close to it so yeah definitely uh, some difficult times there for um, BN Sports but going back uh, for a second, Kartik, to Major League Soccer, TV ratings. And, and yes, it is the, only the first weekend. But this is a trend that we've been seeing for several years now. My thing about Major League Soccer numbers are, I mean, they've tried everything. They've tried, they had soccer nights in America uh, on FSC, Fox Soccer Channel, on Saturday nights. They used to have uh, Thursday night broadcasts on ESPN. Then they've had double headers with World Cup games, FA Cup games, FA Cup finals, Champions League finals. They've had double headers on FS1 on Saturday nights, like we saw this past weekend. They've tried practically every connotation possible, and the numbers still haven't, haven't risen. And the only thing that has worked is really kind of when, when they've had the back-to-back games, where they've had a World Cup final, and then right after that, they've had a Major League Soccer game where people are leaving the TV sets on, and, and, and some of them are watching it, for sure. Um, but then we'll see the numbers the following week when the game's back on FS1 and the numbers are the same as before and there's no, there's no actually change or positive increase there. I, to me, there's only one reason why these numbers aren't growing year over year. Uh, and yes, there are slight increases here and there. Like, for example, from 2017 to 2018, we saw that ESPN numbers dropped. We saw the FS1 numbers dropped. But we did see an increase on Univision and we did see an increase on Big Fox. But overall, looking at the English language side, especially on ESPN and FS1, where most of the games are played, to me, there's only one reason why MLS view numbers aren't growing, and that is because there are better choices available elsewhere to watch. So that, that, that's, that's the reality of things. If you're a soccer fan in the United States, and no matter what league or club you watch, you, you're going to kind of look at Major League Soccer and go, okay, well, yes, Major League Soccer as a league has improved in so many different ways. And the playing level among some of the teams has definitely increased. But if you're a viewer and you have, I don't know, two hours a weekend or maybe get four hours a weekend to watch games are you going to watch major league soccer or are you going to watch Serie A or are you going to watch leagues from South America or are you going to watch the Bundesliga there's so many different options available and I think that gets to the heart of the problem which is why MLS numbers are not growing especially on the English language side is that there's so many other options that people are tuning in to watching other games other other leagues other competitions uh, and, 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 that, and that's it. That, that's exactly it to me. That's the reason why MLS is struggling with the TV ratings. And it, it's a hard thing to fix. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. But they keep on trying different things, and, and it's just not working. Any, any uh, responses that, to that, Kartik? Any, any takes on that? No, they've tried every different thing imaginable, and it just hasn't worked. I agree with that. I just uh, don't know that anything is going to work at this point other than, 
I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but other than just shifting the calendar, uh, instituting promotion and relegation, integrating the league system, and we, we know their, their disinterest in that and how that just fires up people on, on the pro MLS side uh, to say, oh, you'll kill soccer in this country. Soccer will be dead. It'll be like a, a nuclear explosion went off. That's the way they, they act. So there's <laughs> no right. point in but but in, but, in, but those those are the things but those are the things they should be looking at those different things of, about the calendar about trying to figure out uh, a way to go ahead and figure out the league you mean whether it's actually having a, a league competition where the winner of the league matters the where the, there is you mean I mean, what, like 80% of, of the actual calendar of the year of Major League Soccer matters, where right now it doesn't really matter. Yes, you get a supporters' shield, but big whoop. You mean, nobody really kind of remembers or, or, or remembers a couple of years later who actually won that league. Uh, it's all about the MLS Cup final. So just the way that it's structured. But MLS HQ, and I, I don't blame this, them for this in many ways, they're so focused. The metrics that are focused on are expansion fees. Uh, sponsorship partnerships and attendance numbers and those are the metrics that they're really keyed in on they're not so focused on the tv ratings and yes they are making some changes and looking at the next contract but to me tv ratings should be the number one focus for them and what what's going to what's it going to take to actually make some changes to make uh, have, have a positive impact on the tv ratings and we can have a whole podcast on this uh, another day in the future, but but that's really what they should be looking at. That's that's really kind of the opportunity there where they can bring in huge amounts of revenue, increasing amounts of revenue on the TV side. And for me, that's one part that they're filling on. Let's move on to listener mailbag. We've got a ton of feedback this past week. Uh, John Average Geek says, not sure how MLS can increase viewership. People have to feel connected to a team in some way to watch. NFL is built on gambling and fantasy. College markets following players and history. MLS is seeding markets to lower leagues and not mining them for players. Kyle McClure says, thank you for, taking, uh, talk, thank you for talking about the NBCSN predictor segments. Interesting that you brought up the betting in the future. I didn't think of that. It reminded me of the dumb daily fantasy baseball segment on my local Fox Sports for the Detroit Tigers. It made me go to radio. The studio broadcasters would pick a player each week and uh, talk about it nonstop before, during and after the game six times a week. I couldn't take it anymore. Mark Lemke says, I listened to your recent podcast, uh, really enjoyed it. On the topic of commentary, I look towards podcasts for coverage of games. As an example, it's uh, two podcasts that stand out for him are the Yellow Wall podcast and Talking Foosball. And he says, Mark Lemke says, I rarely have interest in what the commentators have to say anymore. D. Laney says, it seems to me that an increasing number of games are on paid streaming only, fewer broadcasts. Does NBC take a loss by broadcasting games? They paid an awful lot for the rights. So in conversations that I have had, I've heard two different things from NBCSN. I've heard some people say with NBCSN, the amount of money that they paid for the Premier League rights, which in the latest deal was approximately $1 billion, is that they're breaking even. I've spoken to other people in other leagues um, which I'm not going to name, but they've said, no, no way. They're, they're definitely making money on this. But they are looking for opportunities to c continually increase the amount of money that they generate. They're a business. 
they're looking at you know obviously NBC Sports Gold uh, as a way as a part of the future. I mean, streaming's heading you know, the future is heading towards streaming anyway, so it makes sense to go ahead and um, use that to basically generate a, an audience on on the streaming side, but to generate re- additional revenue. And uh, it's still too early to tell how much of an impact that has had because we don't see those numbers. We don't know how, how many subscribers NBC Sports Gold has. Is that number increasing year over year or is it decreasing? So it's still too early to tell. But uh, going back to Delaney, uh, does NBC take a loss by broadcasting games? Possibly, possibly. Uh, but in some ways, though, too, there's a lot to gain from that. So NBCSN before the Premier League, uh, which the channel had a different name at that time. I think it was, I forgot the name of the channel, but... Versus. Versus. I didn't even remember the name of the channel, which if Versus was still around today, I probably would not watch it. I didn't watch it back then before it had the Premier League. But NBCSN as a channel now is a much bigger player. NHL, you mean Formula One, you got rugby, you got Six Nations, you got the Premier League. Uh, it's more of a player. So in some ways, even if they did lose money on the Premier League, They've gained a lot in terms of getting NBCSN probably into more homes, uh, definitely in terms of getting bigger advertisers on board. So there's a lot of things that uh, are difficult to quantify in terms of what they gain from that uh, monetarily, an exact number. But that is huge. And, And getting the Premier League has put them on the map big time. JP says, uh, just a very small bone to pick this week. Neither of you included uh, Fiorentina versus Inter in your matches of the week. Great goal by Politano and, and a perfect free kick from Muriel to go along with the, the multiple VAR controversies. Couldn't ask for uh, anything more from an entertaining entertainment perspective. Although Inter fans undoubtedly flabbergasted by the final VAR decision, which cost them a full three points. Also, PSV against Feyenoord. Uh, deserves a shout out. Great second half. Tuned in after being underwhelmed by the first half of Man United against Liverpool. Addition by Re- relegation says ESPN Plus using the Premier Sports feed for the Scottish Cup is a pleasant surprise. Actually, getting a halftime show. Usually, they show a commercial break screen or just let the video roll over the pitch uh, at halftime without any audio at the halftime. Uh, good tip there from Addition by relegation and, and Scottish Cup is on ESPN Plus as it moves closer and closer to the final. Tim Keane says, uh, thanks for offering uh, to help with my technical issues. I'm using the Amazon Firebox to access the service. When I look at the available games in the service on the app, I can click on the game, and then I get the game in progress. I can rewind it uh, to the beginning, the beginning. But the problem is, is that as soon as you get the game, you see it in progress and the score line. How can I access the game in progress without seeing the score? So that goes back to kind of what Tim said a couple of weeks ago and some more clarity there. And I don't know. I, I don't think you can. So with Bleach Report Live, with their streaming service, they have a no spoilers option that you can select where if you join the game mid-progress, actually, if you join the game um, mid-game, it starts off at the very, very beginning and you don't see any scores, which is a great feature, really. Uh, ESPN Plus does not have that. So your best bet would be to actually wait until the game is over and then wait for the on-demand version to be available, which could be a couple of hours after the game has ended. Uh, not perfect. So hopefully that's something that ESPN Plus um, executives are listening to uh, on this podcast and go ahead and, and actually uh, maybe make some enhancements in the future. Tim also says, uh, also after hearing you mention the book entitled The Club, 
I picked it up at my local library. It was an interesting book. And in spite of the fact that I was aware of much of the history, it still had plenty to keep you reading. On the other hand, I watched one installment of the LA Team story on ESPN Plus and found it to be more of an infomercial and not of any great interest. Nothing like the Sunderland one, which was fascinating. And Kartik, last week I think we mentioned that uh, you and I would watch uh, We Are LAFC, kind of the re- remaining episodes. And it's been so crazy this week with the Champions League and uh, everything else going on. I haven't had a chance. I, probably, I don't think you have either. Um, so maybe maybe during the international break, where there's uh, <laughs> a little bit more time on our hands, maybe at that point we'll go ahead and, and let's watch the rest of the episodes and, and talk about that in more detail. Yeah. I watched like the first episode and a half and it's, uh, I love Bob Bradley. So I'm going to keep watching. Um, I mean, one of Bob Bradley's biggest fans, really fan of the family with, with Michael also and, and, and Jeff, but, um, it's propaganda ish. That's doesn't make it any different than the Juventus or Manchester city series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does make it different than the Sunderland series. And that's, that's significant to me yeah. uh, because I, I certainly prefer that over, uh, I'm a Manchester city fan and I will never watch that again. I'm just being honest with you. It was total propaganda. So I, I'm getting the same feel from this one. The next piece of listener mailbag is from Brad- Bradley Moore, and he says, uh, you might find this one an interesting, Kartik. Of note to the likely very few people who want to watch the Asian Champions League in the US, Zone has the rights to the competition, and at the end of last year showed the latter rounds. The group stage of this season's competition started uh, this week, and I, and I did not see any matches from the competition appear on their page as an upcoming event. I emailed their support, and this was the response below. I wonder if they're going... Actually, I didn't include the response, but basically saying, I wonder if they're going to... What they're going to do... If if they're going to do with uh, with the Asian Champions League what they did with the Asian Cup, and will only show uh, matches from the later stages onwards. Uh, Considering this and the fact that they only show uh, Vizel Kobe and Sagat Tosu, uh, J-League games, and no other teams... Not sure this is the best platform for anyone who is more interested in Asian football. Disappointing, especially considering the zone is the rights holder globally for the J-League. Would it be that difficult for them to go ahead and beam in the other J-League games just with stadium sounds, no commentary, like Fox Soccer Match Pass does with the Bundesliga Second Division? Uh, And then he finishes Bradley by saying, keep up the good work, love the show. Good points here, Bradley, because, yes, we've talked about DAZN and the actual platform and the interface being a really, really positive, just a really great streaming service in terms of uh, technically and visually. But uh, I, I haven't watched much DAZN games. I, I don't think I, I watched a, a few games on DAZN, but I haven't gone in there week in, week out to actually see what the coverage is like. And this is illuminating from Bradley because it does show that, yes, DAZN has the rights. They're not showing all the games, and for the the rights that they do have, they're only waiting until, until the later stages of the tournament to actually show it, which is not yeah. good and not a good look, especially when you've paid the money to have the rights. Why not broadcast them? So um, and, hopefully that will change. And when you're trying change. to hook people, and when you're trying to hook, I, I, that, I'm I'm kind of stunned by this. Um, it, that's not a good look. Yeah, I mean, there's there's there, that's, there's I can't disagree with any of, any of what you said. Just gonna co co-sign, agree with everything you said. Next up is uh, Michael Coglin. He says, I love the podcast. have been listening for almost two years now. I value su- your suggestions for ways to access le- leagues I've never seen before. I signed up for the DAZN trial. I have to say I'm disappointed. Currently, they offer only two J-League. Uh, and this has nothing to do with, with the previous uh, list of mailbag. This is completely at random. Uh, currently, they only offer two uh, J-League games a week. I know recently they picked up the rights, other rights. I think the Chilean League 
and at least according to Wikipedia, they have the rights to the AFC Champions League. But I was hoping for more than two matches per week. Now, actually, just to chime in there, Michael, is that uh, the Chilean League, I understood that they had added the rights. But what I found out uh, this past week is that they ended in December. So they no longer have the Chilean League or the Chilean Cup rights. But they do, like you said, have the uh, AFC Champions League, as well as the AFC Asian Cup and, and J League. Michael goes on to say, on another note, I was excited to hear about Fanatis. Uh, picking up Bean Sports and Goal TV. You mentioned in your, in your article that it will also have access to Bean Sports Connect in the near future. Any sense of when that might be? Also, have you heard anything about Fanatis pick, adding in any additional channels? My hope is that they pick up Univision Networks in the future, which would seem to be a great fit with their other offerings. Thank you again for your uniquely valuable work. So, Michael, good feedback there, too. Um, in terms of Fanatis, uh, they have the Bean Sports Connect channels uh available but they have not been have not gone live yet so i think they're just testing that it behind the scenes to make sure everything is working correctly before they go ahead and add that to the app so then you have access to i think i think it's like seven eight or nine being sports connect channels in addition to the other being sports channels that they already have and uh, in answer to your other question yeah i think it'd be great for them to add univision in the future but in many ways, I think they have to probably generate some more um, revenue from the being sports sides of things and the Gold TV and, and get more subscriptions added before they can hope to go ahead and, and uh, move on and add Univision in, in the future. But uh, great questions there. Derek says, um, this is the last uh, piece of uh, listener mailbag, a question and a note. Firstly, do you know what the state of English language commentary is for La, La Liga, um, for Liga MX matches? He says, I didn't know they existed, but I, I stumbled upon one over the weekend. And I'm now wondering if I've mi been missing out of this was kind of a, a trial run. The match was Tijuana against Atlas, and it was on a L.A. area regional Fox station, Fox Sports West, I believe. And I just wanted to note that the CONCACAF Champions League has been a lot of fun to watch this year. All of the matches are streaming for free in Yahoo Sports. And it's interesting to watch MLS teams compete with other teams outside of that league. So, Derek, good questions here. So, for the English language side of Liga MX, um, Fox Sports has the rights to home Tijuana games and to home Monterey games. Um, those games are shown on Fox Deportes. Uh, sometimes you'll find it on FS2, and then sometimes you'll find it on Fox Sports, different regional channels um, in different markets in the US. But it is not very consistent, and you really kind of have to search for it. Another option is that on Friday nights, and this is something that's new, is that uh, Fubo TV has been exclusively broadcasting English language commentary, uh, English language broadcasts of games from Liga MX uh, with uh, Univision Deporter, so a partnership that they've been working on together, and that's usually a Friday night game. Then you have Twitter, Twitter uh, through working with Univision. Um, I, I think it may be like one game a week. I think they have uh, some English language commentary on some of the Liga MX games. So you really had to hunt and search for it. But, uh, but Derek, if you have any questions about it, let me know and I'll, I'll help you out. So listeners, you can always reach us through email, uh, via web at worldsoccertalk.com 
as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com under the, the podcast thread. Uh, if you have any questions, feedback, rants and raves, agree with us, disagree with us, uh, want to learn something more about the industry or want to learn more about how to watch more soccer, let us know. We'd love to help you out. Hey, Kartik, um, where can they catch you on online on Twitter if they want to catch up on your most recent updates on everything going on in the political and, and soccer worlds? KKFLA737 is the easiest place to find me. DMs are open. Uh, you can contact me anytime. Great. And you can reach me at World Soccer Talk on Twitter. Thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. And coming up to this weekend, Kartik, we've got the Man United against Arsenal game that's going to be on Big NBC on Sunday morning. Uh, that'll be a big match, as well as much, much more from around the world. What should they do? Enjoy your football. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.